Welcome to the Lions Man Podcast, episode 20. Bing, 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 bing. Sorry, I had to do that because um, I'm really excited that we made it this far. 20 doesn't seem like a lot of episodes, but that means 20 weeks, 20 recordings, 20 preparations, 20 guests, um, and I've had a great time doing it. It's always been really hard for me. And the last time that I did this podcast, I made it to 18 episodes, and then I quit because it just seemed really, really weird hearing myself talk. I wasn't a big fan. Staring at a screen is not the same as connecting with people or teaching for me. Um, so it's been quite hard, but I thank you guys from the bottom of my heart for riding with me, for making me better, for making suggestions, for participating, and for your feedback. Today I'm excited because I'm getting to talk to a friend. We literally sat down and had some tea together on her couch. And that friend is Gina Kappas. She is a performance coach who uses applied neuroscience here in Mannheim, Germany to work with her athletes. But her big thing is she works with people who want to look beyond the ordinary to improve their performance. What the hell does that mean? Guess you'll have to listen to find out. So without further ado, here we go. Gina Kappas, welcome to the Lions Man podcast. I'm so excited that you're here and thanks for I'm having excited. me in your living room. My oh first, yeah, man. My first living room podcast. We're <laughs> set up with tea. I wish we had video. Oh, uh, we lit a Christmas candle too. We lit a Christmas candle. We got blankets. We're super comfortable. We're yeah. totally in bum sports clothes. So And we're in the mood to talk about some cool stuff. Yeah. Some I guess cool neurosystem stuff. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right. So tell us who you are. Who is Gina? What do you do? Who am I? Okay. Well, I am a performance coach that helps people perform pretty much. (laughs) I am not the traditional strength conditioning coach that you probably know of because I work um, with a neuro, like let's just say a neuro approach or a brain-based approach. Mm -hmm. So taking everything into account that happens on a, neuro- a neurological level before we implement any strength and conditioning work. Mm-hmm. So yeah, pretty much um, I am looking for people that are willing to go beyond the ordinary to improve life and performance or life quality and performance. That's really what I'm all about. And you do work with Everybody from professional soccer players here in Germany, in the first Bundesliga, national team players, all the way down to kids and people in the workplace. Pretty much. So currently working, yeah, with um, first Bundesliga, third Bundesliga. I have um, youth um, development. So I have three 12-year-old guys that I work with. They're pretty good. Um... I have a football player that I work with, a tennis guy, and then corporate. A lot of corporate stuff, helping with performance training again. So performance not just in the sporting world, so performance training also at work. Um, Yeah, that's really it. I mean, it's a lot, but that's it. (laughs) It's it's beyond the ordinary. It's beyond the ordinary, (laughs) eh? That encompasses it really well. So... um, one thing that's really been going around in the last years in the States is C-Health, or in Germany, for all you Germans out there, Z-Health, or Neuroathletic Training from Nas Ninhardt. Now, you work with some of those things in on the nervous system level, and a lot of things that have been coming up, um, or the topic of eyes in the visual system have yeah. been coming up very often when it comes to athletic performance training. So what's the big deal about the eyes? Start us... 
Oh yeah. At the eye level. Oh man. <laughs> There'll be like five podcasts right there. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Um, well, as, as we said earlier, cause Gina and I were talking about this earlier is a lot of times I'll talk to athletes and during my, my, um, sports psychology sessions and explain that everything starts in the brain and that it travels to your body through the nervous system. And I just want to know if you, if you use your, your eyes, obviously on the pitch, when we're looking at the ball, when we're looking at our opponents, what, what role does the eye have in performance yeah. training? Okay. I think to start the whole topic about eyes, let's step back and start with how does the brain um, implement movement, all right? Um, or movement in general. Let's just not call it movement. Let's call it outputs, mm-hmm. yeah? And to create an output, we have to receive an input. Mm-hmm. And if we receive an input, the brain's going to interpret what it sees, hears, feels, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, gravity, everything is input. Mm-hmm. And then the brain interprets all right, is that safe? Can I work with that? Is that probably going to kill me? Is that all right? All honestly, all going down to, is it going to keep me safe? Yeah. And then we're going to, it's going to produce an output for the body. Mm-hmm. And then outputs can be pain, muscle contractions. So let's just mix positive and negative. So mm-hmm. pain, negative, muscle contraction, positive and negative. There's mm-hmm. so many things out there that can be outputs. Some of them we're not even aware of. Okay. And then if we focusing on the eyes for an input system, then the thing is that exactly the same thing happens, right? So about, let's just say about 80% of what we interpret, we get input through the visual system. Mm -hmm. And 80% is a lot. A lot. <laughs> yeah. That is kind of a lot, yes. Yeah, so in a match, if, if we're saying a match is 90 minutes, so that's like 75 minutes of input. Pretty much. The system, essentially. So in 75 minutes of input uh, comes actually, yeah, through the, the visual system. Through the eyeballs. Um, and that is a big deal. Yeah. Right. And I think what we also don't realize from the outside looking in is there's a lot of nerves connected to those eyeballs. Oh, and muscles. And yes, and that's the other thing. So the eye... Yeah, has six muscles attached. Mm-hmm. So, who tells me that I can't train them? Yeah, I we mean, train all the other muscles. We train every other muscle. I mean, not all of all of them because there's just we don't ask the right questions, I guess. Right. Yeah. But um, we train. Let's just say eighty percent of the muscles that we own um, deliberately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the the eyes. I mean, they move all day long. So they're being going all day long because if the eye would stand still, mm-hmm. we're going blind, would yeah. actually go blind. Mm-hmm. So the eye muscles are going all day long. And how come we don't consider their performance? Mm-hmm. That's always the questions that, that I ask myself working with this whole neural approach, okay? Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, if you break it down to performance, I mean, I think that's what the audience want to hear, wants to hear, right? I mean, performance coaching, training, if, I'm, if you're a soccer player out there, think about things like you're running on the field and your focus is, um, so let's say you're a striker and you're going towards the goal, you're in possession of the ball, and where do your eyes go? Do you yeah. look at the opponent, at the defender that comes at you, or do you look at the ball, but you still have to know where all your other members of the team are in case you have to save the ball somehow because there is no gap opening up for you. Yeah, so your periphery is activated. Yeah, so there is a peripheral vision that you need. There is an 
there is a foveal vision that you need, mm -hmm. yeah, then there is eye movements where you still have to be able to see clearly. Mm -hmm. And there's also cognitive tests because if you can see that there is opening up something before everyone else can say it, then you can go, still go to goal, right? Yeah. And that's, getting there first. That's how you yeah, win games. That's how you win the games. And yeah. in the end, that's how you earn the money, right? I mean, if you shoot the goal, yeah. you're the, the big achiever, yeah? And I think talking about performance, we can't just talk about muscle training the whole time in old school tradition. Let's, mm -hmm. let, I don't want to badmouth it at all. I'm just saying there is so much more to it, mm -hmm. which we can, in an integrative approach, use. Mm-hmm. And using the eyes is a big starting point to make any athlete better at tracking objects, tracking people, peripheral vision, being more aware and cognitive aware of what's happening around you on the field. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, pretty much. Things we don't think about very often. <laughs> I mean, yes, it's always about if there is something you're stagnating with, ask the better question mm -hmm. or ask another question. Yeah. Don't call it a problem if you're stagnating. Ask another question. Yeah. Yeah. Which it's funny that we don't think about the obvious things. So you talk about eyes and one big thing that I talk about a lot with athletes is their feet. Like mm. soccer players use their feet constantly. They yeah. use their eyes constantly. So why do we leave those things out yeah. <laughs> and just assume that they're being taken care of or that yeah. they're trained, but we never give them exclusive attention. Exactly. And I mean, the thing is, you're talking about feet taking this into account. So let's give a scenario, right? I think that can be interesting. Mm -hmm. So... Let's say we have a player that is super good um, it, when he has the ball or she, mm -hmm. when she or he have the ball on the field, they're super good in controlling the ball. They don't lose it. They have great possession of it. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, sorry, don't correct me if I'm wrong in soccer terms. Okay. <laughs> in English. Oh, good. <laughs> um, but then when it comes to taking off with the ball, the starting mm -hmm. speed is never fast enough for that person mm -hmm. to actually outrun the opponent mm -hmm. does that make sense yeah okay so it's always like 0.02 seconds that i fall behind and i can't i just cannot You're always one step behind and there's always that one step that i'm behind mm -hmm. but i am doing strength training sprint training i do mindset work i'm super on point i'm, I'm, I'm clear of what i want to achieve mm -hmm. but there's always something and i can't do it mm -hmm. and now i'm asking you all right Why don't we check the eyes mm -hmm. and see if there's any threat that is coming into the eyes, which is not letting my body perform at full potential. Mm -hmm. And that could be something simple, super simple, like maybe my peripheral vision. So anything that I'm not looking at, yeah, yeah. is not upregulated enough for me. For my body to feel safe, for my brain to feel safe, because we went back to before, we want to be safe at all times. Right. Okay? Our body's always trying to save our lives. Pretty much. So yeah. another body, the brain. Yeah. Let's say brain. It's, yeah. The combo. The combo. <laughs> They're both working. They're kind of like good friends. Yeah. Um, so now we have a problem with the peripheral awareness, which is putting up our body or our brain into a bad position, and that's downregulating the performance that we can have. Mm -hmm. But if we're trained that, we test it, we find that that is your problem and we train it mm -hmm. and it will give you an instant increase of speed because your brain is going to feel safe. Mm -hmm. So that's, a, that's like a best case scenario. But there is cases out there 
but I had it before. I've worked with a soccer player. He's been like, first, he's been super scared of jumping high because mm -hmm. he hurt himself before. Mm -hmm. And secondly, he had super bad hamstring prop, like hamstring activation problems. Mm -hmm. And we've been fixing his peripheral vision because he was super bad at peripheral vision. That was back yeah. in Austria. Yeah. And we fixed it. We've worked with him for, I think, four weeks. Mm -hmm. And then he's been jumping about... I think a meter 20, a meter 25, nice. a meter 30 with first no fear. He didn't even think about it. No Forward, pain. No pain. Um, no issues whatsoever. And power on the way up that he came down to me and he was like, what the hell did we do? I'm like, we didn't do anything. We just pretty much upregulated your system. Yeah. Telling your system, it's all good. We found what is the, the problem and we made you safe. Yeah. And, and that's what I mean with ask the better question. Yeah. Where could it come from? Test it. If you don't test, you guess. Yeah. Yeah, that's why assessment is so important. That's why assessment and reassessment. Reassessment. Test, retest. Test, yeah. retest. Which is scientific. So. I mean, you'd have to do that. That's I mean, a scientific you're, process. You're guessing if you're not testing. Yeah. That's it. Simples. There's no other comment about that, really. And when we take it back to a neuropsychological perspective, even in the clinical psychological and neuro... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Neuroscientific literature. Um, I can say the German word if you want. Yeah, right, exactly. Okay. See, you just some, tell me. Just it tell comes me. out at one side or the other, right? <laughs> it's either entirely in German or entirely in English. The translation is what is the messy part. Is that right? In, um, in neuroscience literature, we know, like, when we're talking about trauma, for example, that the body stores that because the brain has taken it in, it's implemented it, and it couldn't do anything with it, so it's stored it in the body. If it's never dealt with and worked out, if the chaos is never released, it stays in the body yeah. via how the brain implements. Safety That's mechanisms, basically, which is exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, it's the, same, it's the same with uh, with scar tissue. Yeah. I mean, if you're talking about damage in terms of let's have an operation, that's a, uh, sorry, not damage, trauma. Yeah. That's a, that's a trauma that the body's experienced. Yeah. And the brain has stored it. Yeah. And it's stored it if we take scars, I think, because for all the soccer players out there, knees, shoulders, ankles, yeah. there's one scar at least that... Every second of you has a freaking scar, yeah. sorry, my language. <laughs> As true. your knee or your ankle or your, I don't know, even, yeah, shin that has had had an operation before. Yeah. And the thing, if we would rehab all of these scars, then we would just make a lot of brains feel safer and a lot of players run faster. Yeah. I am 100% on that. Yeah. It's because if there is a trauma, it's the same psychology. Yeah. If you never work out the, the drama from whatever, childhood or work yeah. or relationship, then you'll never be able to grow. You can't move past you it. You can't move past it. And it's yeah. the same with your body. It's exactly the same thing. So you carry that trauma with you into your jumping or into your next relationship or into your sprint that, or into your work life. Or... That's it. And I mean, if we consider um, players out there, let's say first league or like the Premier League, Bundesliga, I don't care, French League, Spanish League, I really don't care. And they're earning heaps of money and they're super great achievers. They train hard and they're already great. Mm -hmm. They're already great. Yeah. And so good. Yeah. But now imagine they've made it so far without checking if they have any problem with their eyes going back to the topic. Right. Yeah. But now if we would have that person, we, okay, let's say we screen you, you're a good, you're a great achiever. We, we, we screen you with your eyes and we maybe we found an issue, I don't know, up left 
there is no acuity whatsoever mm -hmm. or down left when you look there. So mm -hmm. that means that you do have a blind spot. Mm -hmm. So if we take the summer break, we work on that blind spot, it'll feel weird because your body has created a habit around yeah. making it work for you without that left side down, whatever. Yeah. Right? So now, but we've made it light up again. So if you imagine the body as a big GPS mm -hmm. for the brain, we just popped up a new little village that yeah. you can go and experience now. And the more you know from that map, yeah, the smarter the brain gets yeah. and the safer it gets. So now having an athlete that is already a high achiever, super good without that, and now yeah. we actually screen it and we find little things. Imagine the percentage that you can actually improve and make them prevent injury for a very long time fixing those little traumas that have occurred because the body has created bad habits around it. And there literally is a map of the body and the brain, right? The homunculus. Yes, yeah, the homunculus, yeah. yeah. It looks kind of funny. It looks hilarious. Maybe you should attach it to the, yeah. the podcast links. Yeah, if you guys want to look it up, it's called the homunculus, but it's got like a gigantic tongue, a gigantic face, gigantic hands, and the rest of his body looks like a little freak. It's very scary, but that's but actually the, it's the a sensory, sensory pathway in exactly. the brain. Exactly, it's a sensory pathway. Yeah. So if you guys have any problem, just a little hint from my side, over here yeah <laughs> it's not nothing of eyes but if you have troubles with ankles let me tell you if you do try this exercise and x and get uh, finger circles they work though <laughs> finger circles to make sure that you can circle each finger separately separately from the other without them moving you will never ever in your life have ankle trouble anymore and you probably have full range do yeah. a test and retest and uh, send me a DM on my Instagram. And it, <laughs> I'm super excited to hear yeah. about that. And it's opposite sides, right? So the left side of your brain will control yeah. the right side of your body. Yeah. And the, the Contralateral cortex. Exactly. Yeah. yeah the brain and, and the nervous system are very intense. This is not what this podcast is about in depth today. Okay. That's what I said. So it's the first of five. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we got neurophysiology over here and then we have psychophysiology on my side. So we're both just kind of nerd now. Bouncing. <laughs> bouncing back and forth but I'm curious to know um your concept of why neuroathletic training is so polarizing like some people polarizing. some people love it and swear yeah. by it and some people just hate it and want nothing to do with it okay so if we let's get that negative stuff out of the way first mm -hmm. because I always like to end on a positive um, yeah. thing um if there is people out there and there certainly is that even make fun Mm -hmm. about the whole brain-based approach mm -hmm. um honestly there's I, I i'm not the kind of person that talks bad about anyone because i do believe that everyone has the reason for their beliefs mm -hmm. yes whether it's experience or knowledge or lack of knowledge yeah ex exactly sometimes it's education but sometimes it's literally there's so many people out there that have um created a very well working business mm -hmm. on the things that they know yeah and I think we should accept that. And sometimes it can be very, very hard for some people to implement new things into their work because they might be even scared that then the whole thing that they've been building up their business that's probably working super well is kind of falling apart because you, in, if you want to go in depth with the whole neurological approach, you can start questioning all the things. <laughs> everything, <that> you know. <laughs> everything you know. Everything you know. But I don't even want that because, yeah. I mean, I have, I've studied sport. I have, um, how do you say, 
uh, I've done my athletic coaching yeah. degree um, and all the other degrees and all the other certifications that I've done all the way through my, my uh, career in that industry. And I don't want to throw that all overboard. I mean, mm-hmm. why would I? It has brought me to the point where I started to think about a new approach. Mm-hmm. And I've been earning money with it. So I think it would be stupid to be like, there can only be that. Yeah. No, not at all. But what we have to understand, and that is, and I'm very serious about that, that movement is generated by the brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you understand that, the simple concept of, of input, interpretation, output, if yeah. you understand that, it will always bring you back to the fundamental, and that is the brain-based approach. Right. So if you have an athlete that can't walk straight or cannot stand on one leg at all, but wants to play soccer and which is actually a unilateral which sport. Which is a unilateral sport because anything like all the things you do when you're sprinting is just being on, on one leg or, all the time. Or shooting, kicking, whatever, whatever. jumping. So no, but honestly, there's professionals out there that can't do that. Yeah. And and they keep smashing it hard in the gym. And I do appreciate so much. I'm super grateful that there's sports people out there that put in the hard work. Yeah. But sometimes you have to put in the smart work first mm-hmm. to then be able to smash it even harder. My opinion. So would you say that like the neuroathletic training side of it is the basis for strength and conditioning or that they go together in some way or so I, how do you order it? So I think neuromechanics and biomechanics can't go without each other. That's absolutely true. I, As I'm, a biomechanist, I, I mean, agree. this is not how the body works otherwise. Yeah. yeah? This, this is how the body works. Yeah. So, and then I asked myself, why would we separate it in strength and conditioning coaching? Mm-hmm. I mean, we can call it however you want. Yeah, we can say performance coaching, athletic, whatever. Whatever. We all know what you mean, guys. So. <laughs> but I think why would we separate it if it's so clear for us in theory, in theory, that we, we, we can't? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And then why would I separate it in my training? Mm-hmm. I mean, what I do, all my athletes, they come in, they smash kettlebell swings, heavy back squats, sprints mm-hmm. against resistant bands. They push the sled. Like, they do freaking hard work out yeah. there. But in between sets, I have them do eye work. I have them do vestibular work. I have them do um, respiratory work. So they have to do a lot of air hunger They mm-hmm. have to do a lot of deep inhaling, mm-hmm. different breathing patterns. They have to do a lot of upregulating certain brain areas that I've tested that have been downregulated before, before they go into the, the heavy squatting. Mm-hmm. And then what you can create is that the athlete experiences a better training with more volume mm-hmm. because you're loading not only the effector, Yeah, so and the output, you're loading the effector, the input too. Yeah. Am I right? Yeah. Effector, yeah. Yes. Sorry, sometimes I get like, <laughs> with those, you know. And, and you're doing it in the second language. So I <laughs> am doing it in my second language. If you, I hope you cannot tell. <laughs> We I'm all trying know how hard. that is. <laughs> I'm trying super hard, yeah. Suppressing accents and speaking in scientific terms. Ter- that's great. I mean, I studied in English, so yeah. I should be able... To actually do this in English? Yeah, but that doesn't make it easy. Yeah, that doesn't make it easy, so... Okay. <laughs> okay, so how can neuroscience help us get out of pain? All right. So we talked about the sensory <clears throat> system, vestibular, and visual, and how yeah. our eyes help us, but let's talk about pain a little bit, going back to the trauma. 
Yeah. It's all linked this together. Your, this is your thing, right? This is so Like the drama thing. That's the thing. Yeah, it's, all right. Okay, let's It all has thing. to do with that. I know. There's I markers all over the body. So you can be very happy that my special area is actually <laughs> prevention and rehab, guys. So. <laughs> okay, no. Let's talk about pain. Let's be serious about that. Um, What do you want to know about pain? Like, do you want me to explain what pain is? So tell us about... Where, how pain starts in the brain and is transferred and what we can do to... So... Okay, with I my, think I, I got what yeah. you... Okay. Do you want me? Or you yeah, want go okay. for it. Um, okay, so again, it's always going back to the same thing. Mm-hmm. Interpretation, uh, input, interpretation, output. Mm-hmm. If the input is threatening for the brain, the mm-hmm. interpretation is going to be we're not going to survive. Mm-hmm. We have to create an output that alarms us in any way. Mm-hmm. Makes sense? Mm-hmm. So, threatening input, wrong or bad interpretation, output, alarming. Mm-hmm. That alarm can be anything from pain down to emotional state. So, let me get this straight. And this is really important for you guys. It's that that interpretation point is where it's really important. It's crucial. It's critical. Because, That's it. Because, yes, you can get the stimulus that comes in. It doesn't go out the same way. No, it's no, no, not, never. It's not just you give me bread and out comes bread. It's you might give me bread and <laughs> then I make a mess of it and then out comes, I don't know. I don't know. A cake. A cake. <laughs> it's that interpretation point that's very vital and that's what you're working on specifically. Yeah, that's the thing. So uh, let's say, okay, let's, you know what, guys? I, I make it easier for, um, just in, to generalize because that's scientific stuff can be super confusing anyway. Um, so if you are having a conversation with someone, mm-hmm. let's just say that. Okay. So I'm talking to Julia right now, but I would say something, I don't know, let's just say inappropriate, but she might not think it's inappropriate Yeah. and she will just keep talking to me. Yeah. So she gets an input, an external input, which is my language, which is yeah. my words her brain doesn't interpret like interpret it as oh what a bitch you can't say that you know what I mean yeah she's just like oh that's fine okay I get her point oh my god Gina we're on a podcast oh how could you say that sorry <laughs> yeah. no but no but we just kept talking no, I didn't we, think it was you know bad. we just kept talking and 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 there's no there's no threat response mm-hmm. from her but if I would say the same thing let's say I don't know to my sister in a conversation yeah. just a random example um. Maybe she would feel super threatening by it, super yeah. threatened by it, and yeah. her output would be something like, Dave, you can't say that, rah, 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 rah. Yeah, yeah. and we would start having a fight. Yeah. And it's exactly the same for any threat output that the body will give you. And that's why talking about pain, I get that so often. I get like five, six Instagram messages a day <laughs> asking me, oh, I have this problem, I have pain, how I can... And the thing is that I don't even want to go down the road of pain Mm -hmm. because pain for me is a general is literally is a it's a generalized term it's an alarm system it's because what is pain for you 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 define pain for me i honestly i have to say my body is bulletproof for the last year and a half i'm super proud of it i haven't had anything apart from fatigue fatigue can be painful yeah not painful in a way that I'm saying, ow, yeah, but I injured. am constantly tired. Yeah. And, and that is an alarming system too, because anything that goes 
through the interpretation system is giving me some sort of output. Mm -hmm. And if I feel energized and awake and I'm super concentrated, that's just another great output that my brain has created from a great input that I'm getting. Mm -hmm. And if I feel fatigue and I don't know, like let's just say in weird emotional states or I'm even depressed, that's just something your brain creates for you. Yeah. Because of the inputs that you're getting. Mm -hmm. Or the information um, transfer down. Mm -hmm. So the, let's just um, think about a loop. Mm -hmm. So an input interpretation output loop. Mm -hmm. And if anything goes into the loop, let's say the loop is cracked somewhere. Mm -hmm. And then we have a problem in the information system. Yeah. And that can also create threats. Yeah. You know, so I have a, maybe if it goes through my eyes, I'm running on the field, going back to the whole soccer, because mm -hmm. I think you guys can do more of that. So let's, let's say we're running on a field and we have great visual system mm -hmm. and uh, we're running, we're running and we're getting all that information in our head and our brain is interpreting it right. Mm -hmm. But then it travels further and somewhere on the way down to contract a muscle or whatever, we have something that is not working properly. Mm -hmm. So the information, let's stream, stream is somewhere not working fine. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's broken. So it's broken. It's like a broken, it's a broken reception somewhere. Yeah. And in all travels, it's like when you don't have cells, that's like it. And then you have a broken reception It travels back to the brain. And that's when the alarm system starts. Yeah. And that's, we have to be aware of that. So that's why, Every, every time you talk about, let's say, nutrition, psychology, training, they talk about you got to be mindful of what you put in your body, mm -hmm. how you move, that you warm up properly. And that's so true. And it's so true because if you eat bad food or if you don't even know how your body responds to food, mm -hmm. then you have a bloated stomach all the time. You'll probably be tired. Your blood sugar levels are all over the place. You don't know. Yeah. Right? And it's the same with your training. Yeah. If you don't know how your body responds to heavy back squats because you've never tested and retested it, how will you know if they're good for you? Yeah. So does that make sense? Yeah. And then maybe back squats, heavy, your nervous system doesn't like it. Mm -hmm. Okay, it can be. And then you do them for three weeks and all of a sudden you're feeling fatigue mm -hmm. all day long. That can be pain. That can be something your body's like, oh, I don't know. You're just... interpreting a threat somehow. Yeah, somehow. Because maybe the up and down motion is not working properly. Or the load on the spine, it's just there's a sensory stimulus that's not coming along well. You're not stable on your You're feet. You're not stable on your feet. Or you have little range. And yeah. the range is kind of sensory stimulating something that shouldn't be stimulated. You never know. So I'm so fascinated with pain because um, we know that it can often be cured by placebo effects. So in the sense oh, yeah. of like pain just being that alarm system, it's not necessarily indicative of an injury being there mm -hmm. or like you're already hurt or you're already sick or you're, it could be you were previously, as yeah. you said, or you could be in the future or there's something else going on right now that is triggering me to think that there is an injury or I'm just telling you to stop. So what's your interpretation of pain as a performance coach? Like when somebody, when one of your athletes comes to you and says, I got pain in my shoulder, 
Okay. Or I got pain in my knee. What's your first response? I asked them, the very first thing I asked them, is it pain or is it discomfort? Yeah, see, that's exactly what I say. <laughs> because pain, discomfort, and soreness are three completely different things. Yeah, because if you are... Uh, and I, I only use two. Yeah. So soreness, I leave that out of the picture because... Yeah. I mean, don't be a pussy. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, but sorry. It's so true. You should be able... I mean, if you're an athlete, and I'm saying this without... I don't want to offend anyone. I don't want to be disrespectful. But if you're an athlete... You should know how it feels when your muscles are just sore. Yeah. To be honest. Muscogato. Yeah. You just muscogato fetish. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. But what I do is I really try to sharply discriminate between pain and discomfort. Yeah. And how I explain it is super simple because I say, so you say that hurts, which is a very strong word. Yeah. It hurts. But it's also very general. Yeah. Yeah. But, and I ask, all right. Can you describe the hurt, yeah. the pain? So, like, how does it hurt? Oh, but, yeah, like, no, not how does it hurt, but can you give it a feeling? Mm-hmm. Does it sting? Does it, is it, does it feel burned? Does, is it, I don't know, giving you goosebumps? Can you give it a color? Yeah. Is it red? Is it bright red? Is it blue? Is it green? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It gets associative with that thing. And if you cannot tell me that you're, and if you cannot associate with the pain that has been so severe for you, apparently for the last 24 hours, if they come to, if they haven't told me before, mm-hmm. um, it probably just a habit. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I got pain in my ankle again. Stuff like that. And then I ask, okay, what, what do you mean again? Yeah, every time when I run. Mm-hmm. I feel it's getting super tight and then it starts to hurt me. Mm-hmm. But if I separate pain and keep it as that very sharp thing that it is, mm-hmm. then for me, the definition is if you do have pain, you have to have a starter reflex. Mm-hmm. And a starter reflex is pretty much anything that you pull away and say, ow, yeah. that is pain. Anything that you can move through will be discomfort. Mm-hmm. And if there is discomfort... And you say, all right, I can associate with discomfort. You can try and get some autogenic training, mm-hmm. some pain associative drills that there is, yeah. as in give it a color. What does it actually feel? Get associated with, with, with that thing, with that feeling, with that habit that you have created. Sometimes with that joint or with that body part. Yes. Try to get a three-dimensional picture of it. Maybe yeah. what is there? Because the, the brain is super smart in saving energy, right? Yeah. And it saves energy. And if you're fatigued and you're not listening to fatigueness, it'll yeah. just create a sting. Let's just call to it say, a sting. stop, bitch. To, stop. to sting somewhere yeah. where it had have that before and has connected an emotion to it. Yeah. And you are calling it pain, making you eventually stop. Sometimes, not all the time. Okay. Yeah. So making this clear for you guys, if you go... my. Anyway, that's what I would say. If you go into your training session and then there is some niggle that you feel that day or whatever, really like negative talking, yeah, you can make it so much worse if you actually say it. Remember, it's starting in your brain. It's starting in your brain. So if you, before you go out and you'll be like, wow, my back hurts today so bad and make it like super, like make a drama out of it. It's not, it's not a drama. Yeah, no. Just don't phrase it like that. Don't make it hard for yourself. You're making it hard for your brain if you associate a bad feeling with a nickel in your back. Mm -hmm. So for you as an athlete, for you guys, 
try to be very discriminative between does that actually hurt me? Because if it does, then you shouldn't train that day. Yeah. Because then you probably can't move. Yeah. Or is it just uncomfortable? You can move through it because you are a professional athlete. You have to do a few things, but you, you can go to the physio after and maybe he can massage it out for you. Sometimes that works. Yeah. Or is there, maybe do you have a drill set that can help you to, to loosen up your back, to get you moving, blood flow going, maybe then the feeling will disappear. So I think that's super important yeah. for you guys as athletes, I guess. Yeah, to differentiate and to know that unless you're jerking away from it, you can't put your foot flat on the ground without crying out in pain. I know. You might want to think about what's attached to what the pain sensation is. And that's not to say the pain is bad. Again, it's just an alarm system. Yeah. You have to know what the alarm system is telling you. What Pretty it much. Means. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. So... The whole pain thing is a super deep, super deep conversation. I think that's a and very individual. Yeah, it's so individual. Yeah. So because just because you feel something in your shoulder, honestly, it's never in the shoulder. Yeah, exactly. Because, because even even uh, there is this um, there is this example that we have. So even if you're so I had my shoulder, let's just take me as an mm-hmm. example, actually. I have my shoulder, re- um, how do you say, dislocated three mm-hmm. times. It's, it was never painful. Mm-hmm. Never once did it hurt. But I had friends, because I used to play rugby back at university, and I had friends that had their shoulders dislocated, and they were screaming from pain. Yeah. And that's the thing that can show you very clearly that, brain, that the brain creates that feeling. Yeah. Because... My brain apparently didn't think that it was dangerous for me to have a dislocated shoulders. Yeah. Uh, shoulder, not shoulders. Yeah. <laughs> Two left dislocated shoulders yeah. on my half. Yeah. No, but... That's why we didn't do a video. <laughs> this yeah. is a podcast. Because <laughs> she got two left shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> no, but for my friend, apparently, her brain thought that it was super dangerous for her. Mm. And something had to happen now when her shoulder got dislocated once. Yeah. Yeah, so... It's always individual. It's always whatever you do. You are... I am not Julia. I am not you guys. My body is 100% different to what you, your body does. Yeah. And you have to know that. And you just have to be aware, I guess. Yeah. And there, there is no sh- one shoe fits all thing. Yeah. There is none. See, guys, this is why you have to pay us the big bucks. It's because we have to figure out how your body is because it's not the same as everyone else's. Yeah, it's so... It's Honestly, it's so... Yeah. It, everything is individual. Yeah, that's why it's expensive, unfortunately, because... I mean... Everything is individual. We always say... We, we, we always say I have a friend. I actually have a friend. And he said that to me. And he said to me, um, well, if you pay bananas, you'll get the monkey. Yeah. Right? It's true. And um, if, if I want to deliver value for you guys or for anyone out there that really wants to improve life quality and reduce pain or earn more money because their performance will go up in their career mm-hmm. as an athlete, well, that's an investment in yourself. Yeah. And if you're a soccer player and you do earn money and you have a premium that you get when you shoot a goal, if I can help you to shoot one more goal this season, you've already paid it you've off. You've already paid it off. Yeah. And that's the mindset I think that you have to adapt. And yeah. I can't do my job properly if I can't pay for my education mm-hmm. and if I can't pay for my travel and if I can't pay for my nutrition and my training because I have to be on 100% all the time yeah. to be 
there and give 150% when I see you. 100%. Absolutely. That's, I mean, that's, that's the truth. That's what I think. I think in the end, what should be super important for all of you guys out there is that just ask a better question to yeah. yourself. If you're feeling like you're stagnating, there's something out there and you maybe not have the money to hire a super good coach. I mean, there's so many links out there. Read about it. Yeah, the information is there. The information is there. You just, you actually, you just have to go pull the handle and print it. I and mean, invest the time. Invest the time. That's it. So where can people find you online? If they got questions about neuro stuff, they want a neuro coach, they want to see some examples. Yeah. So actually I'm, um, I'm just going to advertise myself. <laughs> Do it. Uh, I'm having a, my very first webinar coming up in a month. So if you guys want to be part of that, it's just simply about eyes and how we can improve performance through eyes or eye training, which would be good. It'll just be an hour long, but it'll be super informative, I guess. Um, you can just find me on Instagram, I guess. Uh, you can type in Gina personal trainer or grid athletics. You'll find her. Um, I'll post all the links in the description. Yeah, be good. I'll be good. Yeah. If you guys have any questions, I love answering questions. I love have video calls. So you can just call me. Um, we can just talk. <laughs> I'm super cool to chat to. She is. Um, and if you're around, just come around and we'll light a Christmas candle and have some tea. <laughs> <laughs> I know, the first time we ever met, we were messaging on Instagram, literally in the run of the day. She was like, just come over tonight and we'll like, yeah, we have sit tea. on my couch and make some tea and talk. Yeah, <laughs> we whatever. literally did. It's, it's about that, though. I mean, life's about connection, right? So we have to make an effort to create it. It's always about people. Yeah. Yeah, so. absolutely. Absolutely.